We're Billboard Ensemble. Uh-huh. And have we got news for you. You better listen. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, is coming to the Memo Art Centre from the 20th to the 23rd of July. Featuring 25 dance floor classics such as I Will Survive, Hot Stuff, Go West and many more. Tickets on sale now at memoartcentre.co.uk or call at 01446 Hey guys, and welcome back to Creative Space Podcast. I am your host, Truly Reesteens. And for my next guest on today's podcast, it's none other than Gareth Dunlop. Gareth has written and produced most of his songs, and they've even gone on to many famous TV shows, including House, Nashville, and so much more. He's got a new upcoming single coming out, and with this podcast being released on the 31st of March, it's out today, it's called Animal, so make sure after this podcast you stick around to listen to that single. I've listened to it and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed sitting down with Gareth to talk about his career, how he started off in Belfast and how he went managed to go on to other bigger and better things and hopefully he'll go on to do so much more. So without further ado, it's me and Gareth on Create Space Podcast. Gareth, is it Dunlop, is it? Dunlop, yeah, that's, a, that's the one. Yeah, so Gareth Dunlop, so welcome to Creative Space Podcast. Uh, Thank very, you very much for having me on, Rich. No, it's very excited to have you on. It's, it's brilliant to, uh, to speak to different guests on the show to see what they do, what their craft is and everything, and, you know, to get to know the, uh, the, the person behind the singing and songwriting of your songs. And obviously, um, you've got a song coming out called Sorrow, which will... Mm-hmm. get onto in a moment but I really want to know uh, something because um, obviously you're from Belfast grew up in Northern Ireland mm-hmm. um, how was it all for you growing up in Belfast especially with music what was it that mu- stood out for you with music um, you know it's strange I didn't really grow up with you know like massively surrounded by by music certainly in my younger years as a kid, I mean, we were always singing in the back of the car, but my dad played, you know, a little bit of mandolin and stuff, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't always around us. My folks never had the, you know, it wasn't one of those houses where the radio was always on. Um, it wasn't until I was probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe around 14 that I was, you know, sneaking into the odd bar and uh, I saw some live music. I saw a couple of guys up on stage singing songs and screaming down the microphone and, and I thought, wow, that is, that's really cool. I think I'd, I'd love to be able to do that. Um, so I started getting on the guitar and, 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 and it just quickly became, it became quite an addiction. And, you know, the more you kind of, for, for me, certainly, you know, once I got into music, I, I found like, you know, I was looking for my, for my second family. I was trying to find my tribe of new friends, you know, folks who were into that, into the same things, trying to find like-minded fools. So I just, you know, surrounded myself with, with people who had the same interests and, 
and the next thing you know you're in and out of different bands you're in a blues group you know one week and then the next week you're in a, an ABBA tribute show <laughs> and you know you're just going from pub to pub and um, Belfast's a great was an amazing city to grow up in it still is an incredible city um, and you know I I I grew up right at the tail end of uh, a lot of the conflict so didn't get to see um I didn't get to see it at its worst. Yeah. Uh, my dad, he was a firefighter. He was a fireman. So he, he saw a lot of that, a lot of that shit firsthand. Um, and, you know, we, we kind of grew up with the stories. I still have vague, vague memories of, of, um, of hearing the you know, gun battles when I was very, very small. You stand at the front door and hearing, you know, pop, 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 pop. Um, but no, for the, for the, for the most part, Belfast just to me felt felt very very fun and very 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 safe you know mm. as I said I, I missed so much of that that horrible stuff so with with Belfast so at the moment obviously you're, you're back there you're, mm. uh, in your hometown and everything so where are you currently um is there another place that you live in in America when you go to work or uh, uh, yes yeah, so you know I uh, Outside of the pandemic, um, I've been home much like everybody else has just been kind of been stuck in the same place for, for a couple of years. Um, before before all that, I would have been back and forth to Nashville um, almost every other month for, I would say, the last the last 10 years at least. Um, and traveling, you know, between there and, and, and Los Angeles and some and some stuff in, in New York. Uh, but yeah, that was that was my main um that was my main route. So you said uh, before we uh, started the podcast, we were talking about Wales and you performing there and you started yeah. off from what I gathered in the notes, you did a few openings for a few people and one of them was Stereophonics, a uh, Welsh <laughs> uh, rock band. And mm -hmm. I got I got really excited then because when you mentioned Wales, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to ask Stereophonics. <laughs> so um, how did yeah. how, how did you... So, First off, how did you start with the openings? How, how did you get in, your, in a position where you did openings for a few number of musicians and artists? It was kind of, you know, the whole thing for me, I mean, I was, I was when I started playing music, it was mostly playing everybody else's music for a living. And then I started um, getting into my own songwriting. I, th I thought I'd give it a go. And, and then I got the, the opportunity to go to Nashville. Belfast and Nashville are sister cities in the arts um so there's you know a couple there's there's programs and festivals that happen so that's how i ended up in nashville and i, I ended up landing. i was very fortunate i landed a, a publishing deal and began writing for shows and the profile kind of you know it's it started to go in the right direction and as that happened the live stuff came with it um i fell in with a manager back then and one of his other bands were stereophonics <laughs> So it was one of those uh, situations of, well, hey, you know, if, if your other band are ever looking for somebody to open, you know, give me, give me a call. So I did. I played a, I played a handful of shows with the Stereophonics. And they were always, always great shows. I mean, they were difficult shows because a lot of the time, you know, it's a room just full of diehard fans who are just there for one reason and one reason only. And that is to hear their their favorite band and hear their their favorite hits at eleven. Um, 
and there there was me getting on for 40 minutes beforehand with standing up there with an acoustic guitar um you know playing songs that they'd never heard before so it's always it's always a little daunting doing that stuff but i really enjoyed it it was it, it was always fun how did it come down to doing your your own music what made you decided you know what, i'm going to start writing my own music and see if i can get it out there i think it was you know, when I, when I started out, I, I just wanted to play guitar. I wanted to play electric guitar. And, and I was listening to, you know, Clapton and Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin and a lot of the heavy, fast, loud electric guitar music. That's what I wanted to do, just play loud and play fast. And the singing didn't really come until much later when um, I started getting into music like Bob Dylan and, and Neil Young and, and, and songwriters. I started really appreciating the craft of songwriting. Um, and thinking, you know, I'd love to try that. I'd love to give it a go. I never imagined it would, it would ever be anything more than just messing around um, until I got that chance to go to Nashville and play some songs for some folks. And, you know, uh, Marine Music, who were the first uh, publisher I signed with, they, they thankfully, they, they saw something in it and, um, and had me come back out and, and start really, you know, getting into the, into, into the business of, of songwriting. How did um, so help me out with this one because there's a list of uh, songs that have featured on your uh, some of your songs even have featured on television, including mm-hmm. Lucifer on Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, am I right in saying House as well? Did, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I, I, was, I, tr- I tried looking that one up. I was thinking, which, which one of his songs was on House? You know, and uh, tried looking up and it come for the like me. So. Um, I, I figure I'd just ask you this now. So how did how did your songs get on television then? But what was the that was um, you know a lot of that is the job of of, of a publisher. Um, one of the one of the things that I did early on was to play at a film and, and, and TV event um, that was in Nashville. So you're I think that that particular one was about three days long, and there's a lot of supervisors that are there. And they're looking for music for their TV shows that uh, they're, you know, sourcing the music for. And I got an opportunity to, to sit on a stage for 20 minutes and, and play through some songs, along with hundreds of other bands and, and, and songwriters. And, yeah, I mean, the, the, the short version of the story is uh, quite a few supervisors really liked, you know, some of the songs that I played at that event. And um, and wanted to license them, and I think early on it was shows like um, uh, One Tree Hill and uh, Cougar Town, um, Life Unexpected. Um, they ro- they rolled in all within maybe a couple of months of each other, and it was so surreal, like really really odd. I, I I'd never had that experience before, and and having having friends and family who watched those shows and to be able to say. Hey, you're, you know, you're never, you're never going to believe it. I've, I've got a song in this, in this show. It was real pinch me moment stuff. Um, and as time, as time moved on, you know, I, I developed relationships with some of those supervisors. And if they were looking for a specific, if they had like a specific brief in mind, um, you know, sometimes I get an email or my publisher would get an email to say, you know, we, we have this season, we have this specific episode. We think Gareth's voice would be, would be good for it. Um, would he would he be up for writing something specifically for it? So that's when the brief writing the brief started, which was 
It, it was even it was even stranger. I mean, I really I really enjoy it. I, st- I still enjoy it, but you're given a sometimes you're given a quite quite strict um, set of parameters. They're looking for something very specific. Um, you have to you know craft something that fits into the narrative and the arc of what's happening on screen, which which was amazing. It was um, it really kind of adds a few new tools to the um, to to the belt. How long would it normally take then to, to write a specific po- a song for a specific TV show then? Well, it's hard to kind of quantify it in, in time. I mean, some of the some of the briefs were were ridiculous. It was, um, you know, we need it we need it tomorrow. Um, oh. A lot of the time, they would <laughs> they would maybe have a song that was tempted in, you know, um, something that they wanted to use, but it got down to the wire, and you know, maybe budget was cut. And they couldn't afford that that hit song anymore, or they, you know, they ran out of time, or they couldn't get it licensed. So you'd maybe get a a phone call or an email saying, "Hey, it needs to sound kind of like this. It needs to feel kind of like this, but it can't be this." Um, those were always really tough, and they were usually like down to the wire. We need it. We need it in twelve hours. Um, and then the other at other times, you had you had plenty of time to you know to kick to kick it around and throw it against the wall and. And really, uh, really spend time with the with the writing process. Was it a, a difficult one that you can say that stood out for you to go? Oh, what is it exactly that they wanted from you? Is there a, a particular one that stands out? Um, what does no, it come? Not, you know, I think. Well, certainly with the with the Nashville TV show, it was pretty clean cut because they. They were looking for, you know, Americana uh, music, Amer- Americana country music. Um, so that was always the the vernacular. Um, there was nothing to, you know, super heady and super heavy. Um, and you had a pretty clear idea of who who was going to be, you know, which which member of the cast was going to be singing it. And the more brief, the more briefs you did for Nashville, the more you. You know, you felt like you were watching it, even though you weren't. Um, you know, you, you get to know their story, you get to know the arc of the character. Um, so yeah, that was they, they. They were always pretty, um, pretty clean cut as to what you know. You kind of you, you went into each each right with your eyes open. What uh, so when you did some of the songs for the TV shows, did you ever get a chance to to meet any of the star cast? You know, as, for example. When you did the song for House, did you ever meet you, Laurie, or whatever? No, no, not, not nothing like that. No, unfortunately, not. Um, I thought I asked. No, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, that hasn't happened. That that would have been amazing, though. Um, it's strange. One thing that I found, I mean, so much of the, you know, music is almost the last thing that is added to picture. It's the last process and and production. And they might have an idea of the music that they want to use. They might have songs that are tempted in, um, but it's you know it's the the actors and the the directors have long since left the building um, before they start you know they start thinking about music. Yeah, it makes sense as well because I was watching. Um, funny enough, I was actually watching it today. It was a documentary, George, the Inside Story, and they were talking about you know the production and how much of a nightmare it was and Steven Spielberg yeah. with you X, Y, Z. But then it, it got down to, um, obviously, 
about 20 minutes before it ended, they actually turned around and said, all right, we've got to think of the music. And John Williams created that famous theme yeah. music. But yeah, they, they, it was like, what? Is that, you know, playing it like the dun it, dun it, and, it's, and it goes that joke. But then you soon realise that it is important to have it last. That way then the musician can get the vibe of what this film TV show is about. Because exactly. then you've got John Williams, you, he's standing there, he's got the orchestra, but he's got the projector probably yeah. above him, he's going, right, it, I don't know, sharks attacking, dun, 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 you know, and yeah, it's yeah. aggressive. You got to get the pace right. And yeah, the, the, you know, that, that definitely does. And, and a, the, the, the picture definitely informs the, the music for sure. One thing I always want to ask uh, any, any musicians, and obviously I've, I've looked at your record and, you know, you CV, as everyone says, mm-hmm. and said, you've done this, you've done that. Um, and I always ask any musician this anyway, because it sounds fun to hear what they have to say. But for you, does musicals ever come to your head? Do you ever sit down and think, you know what, I'd, I'd like to write a musical one day or I'd like to do something musical theme- themed in the future? Has it ever crossed your mind? You know, I can't, I, I can't say that, that it ever has. Um... I, they, they, they just have to be two very, they must be two very different disciplines, two completely different art forms. Um, I have friends who've done it. Um, and, but it's something that hasn't, um, hasn't entered into my head yet, if I'm being honest, but you know, never say never. Yeah. It, it, it would be, it would be a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> um, when you, and you say it's diff, uh, discipline, I think it's because, depending on what, I mean, musical theatre in itself, it's a different environment, it's a different ball game, obviously, and uh, I mean, I've, I've been in a, a few musical theatre performances, and you can even tell, mm-hmm. even though a lot of musicals, they all got different settings, not settings, like sets and standards of how this mm-hmm. music should be played, they all got the similarities of, it's brash, it's bold, it's out there, mm-hmm. it's not it's not as if you're writing a... Um, like a Mumford and Sons kind of song right. where it, it would flow, whereas the mu- musical, it's like right out there, you know? Yeah, it's it kind of, it always, it, it's always hit me as like, like the the strong colours are just over the top strong colours. Like what is bold is like a oh, hundred miles down the motorway bold. And what is not is still pretty bold. You know, it still needs to carry over the stage. And you know, into an audience and they you know, in the packed out theater. Um, which, you know, I think if you're certainly for me with you know folk music or, or even some elements of pop music, there's um you can probably get away with a little more um meandering around. Yeah. You know, does that make sense? No, I can I I was gonna say more like subtlety or something like that. Yeah, but... su- yeah, subtlety, like more um more light and shade almost. Yeah. Um, especially as well, films. And obviously you did TV. Um, do you ever wish to hope that one day someone will call you up and go, right, we don't want you to write one song. We need you to write a soundtrack for a, uh, for a film. You know, and yeah. are, you, are you, would you say, uh, would you be prepared for that? Would you say that, yeah, let's do it, you know? Um, I would love to do that. I would love to do something like that. You know, it's, it's kind of dedicate a few months of your life to, to one project, which is always, which is always amazing. You know, you put down the rest of the spinning plates 
and you go, all right, this is this is my life for the next couple of months. Um, I would love to. I would absolutely love to do something like that. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, it- and even on an instrumental level, mm. um, I think it would be uh, it would be a couple of really big learning curves that would be massively beneficial. Has, has anyone given you advice in terms of just in case that you do get a film soundtrack contract or, or, or an opportunity or a musical opportunity to go off and write a musical. Has anyone given you that advice to go, right, this is how you approach it? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, you know, I, I don't know how much it would differ from, you know, song by song, certainly on the, the contractual side. Um, thankfully, I've never had to deal with that. That, you know, gets kicked over to publishers and they, they kind of hash it out and I can... Um, thankfully just stay more in the creative mindset um, so ho- hopefully that would be the same um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm not sure exactly how that would look but I, I would like to think it would be a similar sort of process we wouldn't have to get bogged down in too many mm-hmm. of the actual details of it yeah so going on to the song Sorrow um, mm-hmm. so when is it going to be uh, could you so- yeah, when's yeah, it going to sorrow, be? Sorrow came out uh, the Thursday last week, and uh, so it's it's officially a week old. <laughs> Still a baby. <laughs> and well, could you elaborate and explain, you know, the story behind the song and sure. why why this song? What what's so particular um, about getting this song come to life? It was um, sorrow. Sorrow was written for a, a quite a specific uh, reason. Um, it was back in uh, January 2019. Um, a group of friends were were coming over to the west coast of Ireland from LA to um, celebrate the life of a filmmaker, a girl called uh, Alison Wilk, and she she had been documenting her battle with cancer. And she sadly passed away. So they were they were coming over to scatter her ashes and to kind of pick up the documentary where she left off. Now I I didn't really know a lot of this. I was I was approached um, and asked if I could play some songs at the ceremony when they were scattering the ashes on the cliff some more, and if I could you know if I could hang around and and, and provide some music for you know the celebration of her life. So I agreed and and and, and found myself in a little town called Doolan. Um, and just over the next, over those few days, I, I got to know Alison's friends and her, and her family very well. It was a very intense, you know, atmosphere. Almost one of those things where you, you feel like you shouldn't be there. I never knew. Unfortunately, I never got the chance to meet Alison, but I kind of feel like I got to know her quite a bit just through the mm. stories that her, her friends and her family were, were telling me. And as time moved on, they, they, they all went back to LA and, you know, to finish out this documentary and they got back in touch and asked me, would I write a song for the documentary, which was a huge honor and, and obviously a huge responsibility as well. So I, I got to work on Sorrow and it's, it's such a heavy subject, man. Mm. You know, a lot of writers have covered it, but it's, it's, it's never easy. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, it's one of those songs when I, a lot of the time when I'm writing, I don't know if this is the same for a lot of songwriters, but I always have an instrument in my hand. I'm either, I'm always, I've always got a guitar, I've all, I'm always sitting at the piano, and the words kind of come out, you know, as the music's kind of happening. And I made a decision. I was so stressed about the lyrics for Sorrow because I just wanted them to, I wanted them to be right, that I didn't, I didn't go about it that way. I almost wanted it to be like, to be able to read it down like a poem before I started to introduce music. To, I didn't want music to, to influence it in, in any way until I was sure that the lyric was, was solid. Um, and then the music came, the music came after I'd sent it across to uh, the director of the documentary um just with a you know with a full disclaimer you do not have to use this to feel no pressure whatsoever you know sorrow and grief they're 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 different animals to to everybody who who feels them so you know this doesn't have to match or you it doesn't have to match your journey with grief i've 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 tried to pull on my own dealings with it um and they they loved it they love the song and they wanted to use it and um and that's one of the hardest briefs that i've ever been handed mm. um but also one of the one of the most worthwhile because i think her friends and her family got so much out of it um and i, I got so much out of it as well um and putting the record together it was it was a it was an easy it was an easy decision to include sorrow do you know when the when you're talking about uh, writing the lyrics and getting the songs together if someone who isn't experiencing in music say someone who hasn't picked up uh, picked up an instrument but mm-hmm. um, could they still I hope it, it makes sense anyway could that inexperienced someone who doesn't write it doesn't play an instrument can still write lyrics can they still do that can anyone write lyrics for a musical I- I mean, yes, I, I think so. Um, I think sometimes not not knowing the the ins and outs and the intricacies of, of, of the craft, you know, sometimes that shit gets in the way um, of someone just being conversational. And I think a lot of, you know, I, I listen back to some of the, some of the first songs that I wrote. And I mean, yes, they're yes, they're terrible, but they're they're sort of naively fearless too, in a weird way, because there there isn't any outside influence or there there isn't any um any of those you know internal thoughts of okay well i wonder is this going to work or you know what we need to cut the intro in half we need to get to the chorus much sooner um okay you know the tempo needs to be this or do you know what you've already said that in the first verse you don't need to set the second verse okay that's a weird analogy all right you know there's none of that it's just bleh. <laughs> on the page it just kind of rolls out so yeah i i personally enjoy co-writing with um with with, with younger writers because i do find that there's um there, there's a fearlessness to it that isn't always present with someone yeah. who's been doing it for a long time you know it's funny because um i did a this podcast has probably hit it long enough for anyone who listens to it as well um but i remember when i was in uni I did my BA scriptwriting degree and the one module that we had an option of doing was, uh, I think it was either down to documentary, documentary, where it's theatre, film or whatever, or theatre for the young people, drama for the young people. And okay. I picked, so I picked drama for the young people and 
So they then said, right, you can either write a TV, you got to write a TV script or you got to write a, a miniature, a, a small theatre piece. And I've already done a couple of theatre pieces anyway, so I thought I'll, I'll, get, I'll write TV and give it a go. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I was thinking to myself, well, what, what, can I, what can I actually do that would make, what would be interesting for my lectures to actually go, oh, this is actually really interesting. So I created this, uh, uh, I don't know what it was. I, I literally still don't know what it was to this day, but... Uh, <laughs> This piece, uh, I don't even know what the title is, but it was basically all about pirates. And okay. it follows the one kid whose mother and father, he's, he's childless, and uh, he's parentless, he hasn't got a father, he hasn't got a mother, but he's on this ship and he was basically raised by the crew. Mm-hmm. And, and I said I wanted to turn it into a bit of a musical, like a musical series. And my lecturer said, right, you're going to have to have two, at least two songs in the in the script in e- per script and because right. i was only getting assessed on one so basically um i wrote one which is not taken from uh bobby damage beyond the sea but it was temporarily called beyond the sea right, uh, right. or out there beyond the sea and the other one was called i'm the captain now uh, <laughs> and basically what the, the first one was uh for the, the main protagonist who sings that but then I'm the captain now is basically sung by the villain who takes right. over the ship. And he basically, <laughs> he basically has this, he's called Captain Anchor because he carries an anchor with him. Right. And he basically like a, a fantasy kind of uh, character. He okay. sometimes attacks people with their pirates and he's, and he sings this song called I'm the captain now while he's attacking the main mm-hmm. protagonist's captain. Right. Um, so, and I'm there going, right, I'll, I'll write the lyrics and I'm trying to think of the song in my head. And all I could do is just go, bleh, like I said, bleh, just, just spew it all out. <laughs> yeah. And in the end, I nearly got a, a, a first start of it. I actually got a, a two one, a, a high, a high mark. Oh, I love that. I, I, oh, that's great, man. And I was there going, oh shit, I can actually write a musical then, but I can't write the Flemish songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, just, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of songwriters who just, you just do the lyrics yeah and it's a whole and art form itself. oh yeah and i've always um, i've always said that um i've i've always said i wanted to write a musical myself um but i said i can write the script no problem lyrics not a problem as long as i hear someone actually write the score because i cannot yeah. write music to save my life someone give yeah. me a pen and paper and went write a song or write a score i'd be going I don't know. I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was a, that was a weird experience. Weird, weird experience. Um, but I got a good grade out of it. That was that was yeah, a weird. So it sounds like it paid off. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it, it was just mad though. So hopefully I'll go back to it because I actually kept it's like a big folder, and it's all stacks of pages and papers like that, and it's literally first draft, second draft, fifth, ninth. Well knife draft and it's all marked by my lecture and she keeps saying why does he do this why does he do that and it's like and it's just oh and you just want to bang your head on the table because it's like because i know what i'm talking about this is what the reason is but um i bet that i bet that was a a pain for you though when 
you write some of the songs and you give it to someone just to have a look and they go, so what's the purpose of this lyric or what's the purpose of... You know, that was... that A lot of that... It's just some. It's just shit you gotta you gotta deal with. You almost gotta embrace it. Um, that's the one thing I've really enjoyed about co-writing, and especially sitting down with you know veteran you know songwriters, and there um, so many of them are, are just so willing to share their their knowledge on things and um, and just being around writers like that. It, it definitely it, it rubs off on you. Not that they're laughing at your your shit ideas, but you know there's a little bit of a massaging going on. Well, you know. So early on, that was uh, yeah. I find I find that great, just that that exposure to guys that that have been doing it for so long. Um, but yes, of course, there's been times you know, you turn something into a publisher, and you butt heads, and it's a case of well, no, it needs to be like this. And you know, sometimes you sometimes you gotta stand over your over your art and say no, I I, be- I believe that this is the way it needs to be. Um, you know, and other times it's 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 give and take. You know, when you know that both parties are, are hoping for the same outcome you know what are you most proud of then which which song are you most proud of uh, at this moment in time at this moment in time um i think it would it, at this moment in time it's a song called animal and that's the, the title of the record as well um it's the first. It's the first song that I sat down to write. Well, I didn't even purposely sit down to write it. it one of those ones that kind of fell out. And as soon as I'd finished writing it, I thought, "Wow, this could be a. This is a bit left to center. This this feels like it could be a new direction to maybe build a record around." And it really was that. It was the seed of the of of this of this project. Um, and I I kind of I purposely set out to make this album a little a little more selfish um i didn't want those voices in my head kind of you know the old uh well where's it going to work and you know how's it going to work on radio and uh will this work for a tv show will anybody else ever use this song i i, I really went after i really tried to go down the, the road of just scrubbing all that away from me and just trying to be trying to be selfish and really try to, there's a guy, somebody said something to me and it's, it's really stuck with me. It's stuck with me through the whole way of writing this, this record. And it was right like nobody's ever going to hear it. And I find that so, I find that so intriguing and it's very difficult to do because you're trying to engage part of your brain where you don't, you almost, you, you don't, you don't care. Mm. There are no parameters to it. Um, and it, 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 it helps you get, get honest with yourself in a way that I've, you know, coming from writing for very specific briefs, you know, you're, 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 you're sometimes writing to somebody else's story. Mm-hmm. You're imagining how somebody else feels. So it was a different way of, of going about writing for me. So yeah, getting to the end of writing that song, I think, um, it was a moment for me and uh, right here and now, I think that's, that's the song I'm most proud of. Just a little bit of a fun question for you. Cause I hear a lot of musicians when they start off in pubs and everything, and, or they start off in clubs and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, has there ever been a, a, a moment for you as a singer 
or performer while you go to these places or locations? Has there ever been a time where um, something happened where it, it kicked off in a pub and it was difficult while you were singing on stage? Has it ever kicked off in the pub or has there been any trouble where it nearly... Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you, can tons, you tell us tons a few of Oh, God, tons of times. Um, yeah. Um, God, I mean, literally a lot of times that's happened um that's how i that was my bread and butter for the longest time was, was going out and and playing in pubs and clubs and, and some of them um a, a lot nicer than others um but yeah I, I, okay so there's one there's one place i'll not name the bar but um it was particularly it was a particularly rough bar notoriously rough kind of crowd and it didn't have a stage so you're playing on the bar floor and you're playing right next to the bar. So you're right, you're right down in the thick of it. You know, it's always nice when there's a little bit of a barrier, when there's just somewhere for your gear to sit that isn't going to get covered in beer or someone's going to you know, bang into your microphone or something. But no, this particular place, you're right down on the dance floor with everybody else. And I have this habit of singing with my eyes closed. I, I've always kind of done it. I just try and the you know, center my head and I don't know whether it's a it's it's just something I do. Um and I really regretted it that night. We were playing really loud. It was a three piece band I was playing with and drums were just beating behind me and there was a bass amp to my to my left and my my guitar amp was to the right and you know you just could you couldn't hear jack shit. And I had my eyes closed. And I don't know what happened. The next thing I was on my back and there were two guys on top of me just like punching the face off each other with me and, and my guitar under them just <laughs> what the hell is going on and it took it probably was only like five seconds but it felt like it took an eternity for you know the door staff to come over and, and pull them off <laughs> um i mean that's one that's one instance that happened stuff shit like that happened all the time um got got pints poured over my head for not not playing the right you know not being able to play a request um you know, but people refusing to pay you at the end of the night, threatening you. Yeah, all that, all that shit. Oh, that's the that's the awful part. It's when they refuse to pay you, and it's like, well, you asked for my assistance, yeah, and it's. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you one, tell you two actually. Right, so the um, I work, uh, I help my mates out, my pal uh, Brent Stone, because he does a lot of um, uh disco parties for um for just weddings obviously birthday Uh parties etc and there was this one uh occasion where this um because we've had so many drunk people coming over and saying can you play this can you play that there was one guy where i thought he was just going to kick off and uh he you could tell he was on something if you know what i mean he you could tell he had he had he crossed a few lines or something like that, but uh, yeah, he had, lot, he had a lot of courage. <laughs> yeah, he had a lot of courage, and um, so he said. To, and he was because I was sat next to him, so he was towering over me while my mate Brim was doing the music, and he was towering over me, and he was literally shouting and arguing uh, with with my mates, and he was saying, "You can't play this effing song. It's crap. It's this. Oh, so you don't know what you're doing." And they were arguing with each other. And he got pulled away. And but the thing is, he was literally over, he was above me. So I'm there going, what the hell is going on? And uh, 
And then next thing you know, um, a pint glass comes nearly thrown at, nearly at the... Now, keep in mind, we've, we've got two laptops, uh, a, a, like a disc set, just in case the laptops go under. And it almost, all the pints nearly went over the laptops and it nearly ruined oh, the, the entire night. And there was another one where um, uh, one guy had too much to drink and he literally, he was stumbling and he literally fell over like someone had slipped, like a clown slipping on a banana peel and he mm-hmm. flew into the speakers and the speakers nearly landed on his head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's grim. That's so grim. I've had, uh, I've had speaker stacks pulled down onto the dance floor. You know, even, you know, you're taking a break and you come back to find a bunch of guys, you know, trying to play your guitar. <laughs> They've just lifted it up, wandered onto the stage. It's like, oh, no, come on. Not tonight. But, it, yeah, it's all yeah. part and parcel. So with the owners not paying it, I think that would, for you, has there ever been a time where, well, how would you, if you were to give advice to, to young upcoming singers mm. or songwriters who uh, go into these pubs and they're performing, what would you advise them when s- something like an owner, a pub owner or a pub landlord not paying, how would you give them advice? Like, what is the best way to... You know, it? honestly, I, I mean, look, looking back, I think, you know, play in, in reputable places. You know, don't <laughs> don't play in the places that have a bad reputation, which is unfortunately what I did a lot of the time. Um, and, you know... If someone's refusing to pay you, maybe going back in the cold, cold light of day, um, you might get a you know you might get a better response. Who knows? I'm I'm not sure. I think first and foremost, you know, try to try to pick the places that seem uh, that seem like they're gonna pay you at the end of the night. <laughs> yeah, and another one I was gonna say, there's a pub just literally down the road from me, and um, it's gone downhill big time, and. It's, it's not because of it, it's rough or anything. I don't, don't think I would call it rough. It's just dead all the time. And how, yeah. it's, how it's been going, still going, especially with the pandemic and everything, um, it, it, that's another thing. But I remember a few years ago, and it was a bit ironic, actually, because the, the guy who was singing, uh, he had his g- girlfriend sat in the corner while she was on the phone while he was playing the songs. And no word of a lie, it was, it was a Friday night. It was dead. And there was only five people in that bar area. There was two at the bar. There was three of us sat in the corner. That was it. And mm-hmm. he was to see it. And I just felt so bad for the guy. I was like, oh, man. You know, but then he said, oh, it's okay. You know, you, it doesn't matter if you're performing in front of two people or 100 people. You just got to keep going. I was like, oh, yeah. good for you. And then months later down the line, I would go and host a radio show at my local radio station, and he was my producer. So, oh, wow. <laughs> it was I, like, I was like, oh, hey. And I went, don't you, did you uh, do a show with Glenn Burke? And there was hardly any people there. And he went, yeah. And I went, oh, I was there. Oh, good for you. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> nuts. Oh, that's a moment of serendipity. Yeah. And that, that, that show didn't even last long. It uh, wasn't the fault of anyone in, in the studio or anything. It was just... Mm-hmm. Pandemic arises and the radio show that we were doing, it was about my football club and a lot of things. So a lot of things to juggle and it all just came crashing down. So uh, yeah. it is what it is. A um, couple of last questions as well, Gav, and yeah. they're more like op- optimistic uh, questions. Yeah. So 
where do you see yourself in five to ten years? What are you looking to go from the one next step to another? What what is the future? Well, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, touch wood, all that. Um, doing more of the same. You know, that's the goal. Is I mean, I I've been very very fortunate to to to, to make a living out of doing what what I love. I'm not very good at much else, if I'm being honest. And um, I really enjoy music. It's it's a it's a big love in my life. Um, I love being around musicians. I love creating music. I love listening to music. I love going to live shows and um, and to be able to make a living from that and you know and support my family and keep the lights on. If I can if I can keep doing if I'm still doing that in ten years, I, I will be I'll be smiling, grinning like a Cheshire cat. Um, but you know. As things as things go on, as things move forward, I'd love to be doing more touring. I'd love to be, you know, at least another few albums down the line. Um, and uh, you know, I love producing music as well on other artists. I love getting other bands and stuff into the studio. So I'd like to spend some more time um, doing doing more of that as much as I can. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the long and short of that. Hopefully it'll be a musical. <laughs> and I'll definitely it's like, there you, t- you know what? Never say never. Yeah. If you, if, if you ever did make a music, I'll be going, hey, I spoke to him. Like, you know what? Uh, do you know what? Maybe I will uh, maybe I will have scored the music for a, a, a pirate musical. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you do, I was like, I gave him that idea. Did I give him, I gave him my idea? Did I get any royalties? Did I fuck? Where did I, where did I hear that? Where did I hear that? <laughs> yeah. Cheeky Irish. What? Yeah. No. <laughs> um, and uh, I always ask this last question, a bit of a cliche, but it's always mm. been an interesting question. So it's a so far for you. Um, so how do you look back on your career? Wow. That's, that's, a, that's a loaded question. Um, how do I look back on it? With a lot of gratitude, I have to say, an awful lot of gratitude. There's, there's been so many moments in the last eighteen years of doing this that I felt like I felt either felt like giving up or it wasn't going the right way, or things had stalled or things had, you know, I just you kind of feel like you're like you're on the right path. You're sorry, like you're on the wrong path and. I know a lot of people feel that way. It doesn't matter what career you have, and you have those moments of doubt. And I've been, I feel real, I feel really grateful that I've had people around me that have that have um, encouraged me to keep going forward. And as I said, I, I feel very grateful for that because there, there was a lot of times I, I felt like, all right, you know what, this is this is maybe just going to be a hobby that I love doing, and you know, this is getting too hard now. I think I'll. I think I'll go out and get a real job, you know. So I can hear the earth turn below me 
Driving 